three, two, one. Everybody, welcome to Ride Dog's Invisible Spectacle. My name is Ride Dog, but you can call me Ryan. You can call me Muchacho. You can call me Comrade. You can call me Amigo. Whatever you like. Today, I'm bringing a special. This is not considered a full-length RIS episode. This is not considered RIS number four, if that's what you were wondering. This is a standalone special where I'm going to be talking about the last two episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, I will give an in-depth review as well as some of the controversies that are surrounding it. So uh, I will go in-depth in all of that and more, and including my passion for film, which I will talk about at the very beginning. But first, an announcement. One announcement, really. Um, I am going to be... The next episode will come uh, not this coming Saturday, but the Saturday afterwards, and it'll feature my friends and I, and we're going to get drunk, and we are going to ask and talk about some dirty random stuff so if you guys want to hear us talk about anything in particular you have the chance to tweet at me you have the chance to direct message me on twitter and so that is at sir rye on twitter yeah uh or you can just look up ryan j underscore serrano uh however you'd like but that's available to you and yeah i'm just leaving that that out there for sure Okay, so uh, this is interesting, right? Um, y- you're you're probably wondering, Ryan, what the hell are you doing? Why are you talking? You talk about film, and you talk about politics. What the hell? We don't like it. We don't like uh, complexity of thought. We don't like to have those things that are mesh. So, what the hell are you doing? We want one and the or the other. Pick one. Well, that's very interesting that you bring that up, audience member. But the fact of the matter is, is that I I particularly like film and analyzing and studying film for a couple of reasons when i got really i got really into it uh after watching video essays on youtube from some of my favorite youtubers and i'll kind of list those people off in a sec but they uh they talk about the double meaning and they they give in-depth reviews on, on on some of the the classics that i grew up loving as a kid like um the sam raimi trilogy and and, and movies that I really took for granted back then and then now I'm able just just to understand on a much deeper level because of those people. And so um, whenever I look at a film, I really try to get into the character's complexity, the nuance, like all the struggles, the inner conflict. And I really like all that stuff. And I think um, a lot of it could be reflected back onto politics and to what um, everyday people are like. So I, I love it. And... Uh, yeah, so that's my background on film. But, you know, I also uh, screenwrite. Yeah, I've written a couple screenplays. I know, I know. You're saying, well, Ryan, well, you're a political science major, so what the hell are you doing writing all these screenplays? Don't you want to be a political scientist? Don't you want to be a politician? Well, maybe when I'm wiser, maybe when I'm older, when maybe when I've read more philosophy, maybe when I have an actual vested interest in doing that kind of stuff, for sure. But the fact of the matter is, is that I like movies a lot more. And um, I just think that uh, I, I, I like making stuff and producing creative content rather than solving real life issues because there always could always be the risk of fucking up and not pleasing a lot of people. And you can do the same thing with film. But uh, for me, I like to express myself artistically. I love talking about the, the, the film, the movie industry and things like that, things of that nature. 
so you will hear a lot more movie reviews um, besides my uh, takes on The Mandalorian a lot more in the future. So I'm just giving you a heads up as to what you is expected for the podcast. Now, um, it's interesting. Okay, so I'm talking about let me let me just get, go over the outline as to what this episode will feature. So I'm going to be doing a review on episode 13 uh, with Ahsoka, of course, as you all know, and episode 14 where Grogu, Baby Yoda, gets kidnapped by the remains of the Galactic Empire. Okay, so that's episode 14. Now, I'll also uh, just talk about... uh, uh, I'm going to respond to this uh, dumb article that I found, and I'll explain why it's dumb, okay? But... Um, I, I just didn't like the contents of it. I thought it was um, pejorative, misrepresenting the issue, a lot of things. So um, this article, just just to give you an idea of what's to come, uh, they they uh, they talked about the the casting for Ahsoka Tano. They talked about Rosario Dawson. They talked about how she was a um, poor character actress and how she didn't do a very lackluster job portraying that role. So. Um, you know, I'll kind of like debunk all of the stuff that they had mentioned. I, 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 I didn't like it, and you know, um, so you'll you'll expect that later down the line of this segment. Now, uh, here we go. We are going to be talking about episode thirteen, but first, <laughs> right before I get into that, I wrote down in my in my notes that uh, s- something that I wanted to mention to all of you, which is it's it's kind of funny. It's it, but. Isn't it ironic that a member of supposedly the wisest species in the galaxy can't talk at 50 years old? And I'm referring to Grogu, Baby Yoda, you know. Uh, guys. Uh, oh. All right. All right. Settle down. Settle down now. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to make that, that snarky remark. I know you, you might disagree with it. You might say, well, Ryan... These these creatures are over nine hundred years old, and they take time to develop. They take they time to develop their frontal cortex. I don't even know what that phrase means. Just I'm, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Yeah, uh, but I just thought, yeah, it's I think it's a little weird, but it's also kind of cute. Okay, so episode thirteen. I thought it was interesting. You know, we have uh, Ahsoka, um, and uh, I I heard so right right on my notes. I I said that. I heard some fans didn't like that she wasn't the original actress. Um, I think her name is Ashley Eckstein. I was personally fine with it. I'd, I've, I've accepted the fact that it's not going to be the original voice actress, even though they did that for the character of Bo-Katan. But, you know, Rosara Dawson, she did a great job in the Marvel series, and, and she had a few other notable roles. I, I, re- I think the first role that I've ever seen her in was uh, Zookeeper with Kevin James. And, and it's... It's pretty weird how uh, how how far her career has gone and how it's grown, um, but yeah, I thought she was amazing. She uh, she seemed very wise, very grown. Um, she's accepted the role of the Jedi, which I think was kind of weird because you know she's very. I I think when we last saw her in Rebels and we really got to just to just an FYI, I have not seen the show in its entirety. Um, I don't like the animation. I think it's I don't particularly trust it even after. Even if, even if it's under Filoni, it's it's still under Disney, and I, I think under the jurisdiction of Disney, which I, I completely um, just did not want to give credit to. So yeah, well, the last time we saw her, she was um, not accepting of her 
of her powers. She was more of a gray Jedi. She was, you know, did not want anything to do with the creed that she was once a part of. She she almost rejected it in a way, but she helped the rebels and she helped um, overcome the dark side. And I think she's able to kind of look and analyze the the hypocrisy of both. It's kind of like somebody that's in, an independent in America. You know, it's, it could be applied to a lot of things. You know, there's these there these uh, movie conflicts that that could be reflected in the real world. Okay, so that's enough of politics, at least for right now. Okay, you guys are saying, well, Ryan, you're getting a little too off track here. You're right. Let's continue. So, yeah, um, the planet, it, it seemed a little underwhelming at first, and, and here's why. Um, you know, when you have clone, you have the, the special, um, vibrant, um, awe, awe-inspiring planets that you see in Clone Wars, that you even see in Rebels, you just and you and you see it and you see what they have to, to provide in live action. You go, well, what the hell? Why don't they just you know pour the CGI budget into making these uh, these spectacular planets come to life? They're spectacles. So I mean, this is what the audience wants to see. Well, I think they have to use it sparingly because you know they do have a limited budget and they have to use all of their production costs on all sorts of other things like the actors and the practical effects and the aliens and so it's it's not easy and i do give them credit for it but i thought you know after a while after really contemplating on on this planet and why they were on it i thought it was perfect for for this um one episode in particular and i'll tell you why there there was a, a certain mysticism to it especially in the beginning when ahsoka is first introduced by the way i was so so glad that they that they just showed her face right out because I thought Ahsoka was not going to be featured until the end of the season. So I was happy that they that they showed her right away. Um, it was a it was a huge payoff moment. But they she comes out in the fog, and and you know there's a I thought a lot of it signifies different things. So you know she comes out in the fog. She it's like this total mystery of where she was at. So it's a little bit metaphorical in that way. She comes out. She threatens that that whole colony, and then the colony asks the Mandalorian to go after her. And then the um, uh, the baby Yoda avails him on the on on the quest, or at least you know sticks by him. And while they're out there, they they run Mandalorian and the and the Soka run into each other. But it's it's very reminiscent of when Yoda trained Luke in Episode Five, and I thought that that's what was so special about. It and they were just surrounded by nature, surrounded by this breathing planet. Even though, like, the 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 side that we did see in the beginning of the episode was completely decimated. I mean, it just was lifeless, and it's except for the small colony. So we see them hanging out, using the force, and and it's like, yes, Baby Yoda might actually go with Ahsoka, and you know, then you remember there's at least three or four more episodes left at that point. So it's like, okay, maybe she's something's going to go wrong. Something will go awry. I like using big words to compensate for the fact that I don't know shit, but here's the thing. Um, you, you find out in the, in the episode that Ahsoka is not going to accept this role of mentorship to Grogu. And she says, well, this, this young creature, this being that holds a lot of power is conflicted. He could potentially become darker. And she's seen it for herself. And I thought that was 
it it was a little emotional knowing her history and i think a lot of people have already said that before um yeah i i i wasn't particularly tearful in that moment but i mean i could definitely understand her pain her remorse and all of the things that she's been through and that you can see it in her eyes the acting is um from rosario dawson she's pretty stellar in the role right so so she says i can't train him he's attached to you he's developed attachments and it's not in help it's not a healthy attachment so i don't recommend it i want like this is what i'm going to tell you din jaren and that she says that to him she goes I don't want him, You, I, 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 at least I don't recommend him to use the force, to grow stronger with the force, because he could potentially become very dangerous. And so I thought that was interesting, because, you know, I, I thought back to Yoda, and I says, and I, I says to myself, well, Yoda is very, very wise, very well trained, like he's not emotional at all. And I says, Ryan, that's not true. You know that's not true. Because as, 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 I, as I thought more into it, I remember Yoda was actually conflicted himself. He was fearful. He was fearful and in, in, in very tentative in training Anakin, very tentative in training Luke Skywalker. So there was fear in him. But, but he's, he's not just fearful for himself. That's, that was a good thing. That was, that was what made him a good Jedi. He was fearful for his... For his creed, for the for all the followers that were in it, I mean, he wants to preserve that. He doesn't want anybody potentially obstructing it. Somebody that, any any, this is this is sort of ironic because he, all the fears that you know he had against Anakin and and Luke, you know, it, it could be the same. It, it could be said for Grogu. You know, he's developing an unhealthy attachment. And it's kind of it's it's sad to think that Anakin Skywalker had an unhealthy attachment to his mother. It wasn't unhealthy, and and it 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 could be considered um, too reliant, and too reliant that could potentially become dangerous. And you could you can you can use that the dark people the, the people on the dark side could potentially use that as a trigger to get to him, and that's what makes him vulnerable. That's what makes him darker. And and so if he if he were to see if Grogu were to see anybody harm Din Djarin and, and potentially kill him, then he can carry that emotional weight for the rest of his life. And he grows powerful. If he grows powerful, he, be, he becomes vengeful. And that's where the complexity in his character lies. And I think it's so great. Now, here's what's what's interesting about that. He's not in the hands of anyone that has is connected to the dark side of the force. But if he was, I keep thinking to myself, if he was in the hands of Sidious, he would look at him and he's like, oh, hell yeah. We should use this little guy to ensure that the Sith never die. And this is an F you to Yoda because he all, he nearly embarrassed me in the last fight that we were in in the Senate in Revenge of the Sith. It would be it would have been perfect. It would have been the perfect revenge and the big F you and giant middle finger to the in entire Jedi Order who had fallen. It's the last middle finger that he would have ever given if baby Yoda ended up in the hands of Sidious. But that's not going to happen. Sidious, we know how Sidious's arc ends. We know that he's alive, but he, it just does not mean shit because in the in the grand scheme of things, the the entire Star Wars saga has 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 told us that good always wins. And in the real world, that might not necessarily be the case, but this is 
what this is the belief, this is the core belief of the writers and everybody that, that pours their hearts into making, um, making more movies and shows for this franchise. Yeah. But what I liked about this episode is that it allowed us to breathe, it allowed us to catch up to our favorite character, and yeah, I thought um, there were some cool... There's going to be... I'm going to... By the way, I'm going to talk more about this a little bit later because um, there's a whole article that just tries to go after the fact that this episode is bad and tries to prove it, but it, it falls flat on its face. It's fucking stupid. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so... I thought the samurai fight was cool. It, the fight between Ahsoka and whatever the colony leader's name is, I, I forget. Um, it didn't, it wasn't a traditional lightsaber fight. It was more like a samurai fight. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. In fact, there was a YouTuber, his name is Captain Midnight. He, and he didn't, uh, he did a, a, like a, a 10 minute video on it. And if you want, you can go check it out on YouTube. But he, uh, he talks about, uh, the fact that it was very reminiscent of this old uh, Japanese movie and uh, of, of two samurais that are fighting each other in, in a very similar location to what uh, the Mandalor this episode of The Mandalorian had showed. And, uh, and they're fighting in a forest and they believe in honor. They believe in making the right moves when they're fighting their opponents and, and being, being very calculated and, and not just, you know, waving it around and, and batting it like just mindlessly just to um and, and out of anger it was just very controlled very methodical from both sides and i thought that was pretty cool so great episode overall um i thought that uh you know there's there's a lot of good things about it okay so that that was episode 13 let's talk about 14 let me get a drink of water drink 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 ah uh. How you guys doing? Okay, back to the episode. Okay, so right off the bat, right, you see, and he's talking to Grogu. He's mentioning his name several times just so the audience can can just have it fully digested, have it fully memorized, whatever, right? It's uh, you have to help them make the transition from calling the creature Baby Yoda. To Grogu, you need to, you know, just, you know, keep, keep reinforcing that. So I get it. I mean, that was a very clever way of showing, of, of uh, doing that for the audience. And uh, I, I, that's not an original thought that came from me. One YouTuber pointed it out, and uh, I thought that was oh, okay. I didn't realize what they were that they were doing that uh, at the beginning of the episode. But um, yeah, so as soon as they arrive at the planet, um, I'm going to talk about this one too. I, I think it initially, I, I just thought it looked like an uncharted mountain terrain you'd find near Los Angeles, but it actually serves the purpose of the story similar to how the, the other planets serve the purpose of the story. So, and, and I'll tell you why. But um, at this point in the story, like the last season, um, and and this is this what I'm about to tell you is very rudimentary, okay? Very simple to understand. There's there's always three acts to a story, okay? And depending on what kind of show you watch, right? But for for this one and and a lo and like a lot of Netflix series that you find out there, 
there comes a certain point in the latter half of the of the seasons where it it transitions from the second to the third act and this was the episode to do that and i knew they were going to do it right um they had already established it it established that the empire was going after the mandalorian in uh, at the end of episode 12 and so i thought you know it's probably going to happen maybe at the end of 13 or maybe during 14 you know one of those two right and i said uh, it's going to probably be boring you know we know that baby yoda is probably going to be taken away from them so i had these thoughts going into it and you know i knew there was going to be a fight scene i knew something was going to happen and surely enough at the very beginning of the episode what does it say chapter 14 the tragedy oh okay yeah all right i wasn't expecting that uh yeah so but boba fett comes in and i was not expecting that i literally thought they were just going to leave him alone and not bring him back into the mandalorian at all and i thought he was going to get his own spin-off i mean that's that's probably i i heard that somewhere he was going to get his own series and and i'm i was looking forward to that and i i was looking through the comments of what um these other of these other youtube videos that i found online on the mandalorian and a lot of the people were saying well when is mandalorian gonna be uh, sorry not mandalorian when is boba fett going to become relevant again yeah so i was like dude he's not gonna be become relevant he's gonzo he's gonna have his own show dickwad so that was me as the idiot saying that before but uh yeah when i saw it when i saw slave one on screen i go slave one and i could say that because uh, i'm uh i'm <laughs> i i live outside and i'm a distance away from the house but anyways um i shouted that and but I and I thought the the fight scenes were were pretty cool too, right? They brought in some cool costumes. Uh, I thought they were gonna pay homage to a lot of the the outfits that they had in Battlefront, Battlefront one and two, but they didn't. They didn't, and uh, they brought in like a yellow stormtrooper, and I thought that was pretty cool. So the outfits were fine. The stormtroopers they they still suck as suck as at fighting. The Mandalorian. Uh, has previously made fun of how bad they are at shooting, how bad they are in combat. So this is like the least threatening uh, bunch of of stormtroopers that we have out of the entire saga. The original trilogy stormtroopers suck ass, and they suck dick too. Yeah, they're not the the best at fighting, and, and the Mandalorians, uh, both Boba Fett and and uh, and Din Djarin just completely wrecked them without even trying. But we get something interesting. We get uh, we get droids. We get droids back again. But before I talk about that, I'm just going to mention that um, they use the different types of stormtroopers sparingly. So I'll, I'll explain what that means. In the original trilogy, you only see stormtroopers all throughout. And then you have the high-ranking officers, and then you have Vader, right? You very rarely do you have any sort of other variation of stormtroopers besides um um except for the uh the the, the bike that elevates uh, they those those particular stormtroopers have different outfits but whatever right like you know um so i'm glad that you know movies like rogue one solo and the mandalorian they use death troopers and the yellow 
the yellow stormtroopers and the red stormtroopers very sparingly, right? They don't like they they tried to kind of have that level of respect um, for the original trilogy and how much they used it. Oh, I forgot I forgot the stormtroopers. I I barely remembered the snowtroopers. But yeah, there's different kinds. So let me see. Um, it's cool that they're playing around with the idea of using droids, and I think the reason why George Lucas didn't in the original original trilogy was because a they didn't have the technology for to to render cgi droids and, and they did that in the prequel trilogy and so whatever right and b it, as a creator he must have figured it was more sinister and more realistic if the soldiers brought into the lie the lie that that uh, palpatine was perpetrating uh, amongst his followers that they were doing it for a just cause Meaning, a lot of them thought that their actions were necessary to secure order. A lot of the injustices that happened, and you could say the, the same thing could be said for the United States. You know, a lot of people are sent out to war, and they go against bad guys. But I mean, to what to what extent? And 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 when do they realize they're fighting proxy wars? And or, or when do they realize that? Or if they ever, you know, do they ever realize? That w what they're doing is unjust. Or if they are, right? But um, I'm going off the tangent here. But everyone in the Empire, with the exception of the high-ranking generals, fell for the impression that their purpose was to secure intergalactic peace, where the ulterior motive was obviously Sidious was Sidious's lust for power. Palpatine, Sidious, whatever. Same guy, right? And, yeah, you know, I just wanted to give my thoughts on that, but... The uh, there's definitely a truth in Star Wars where these these people in power like Sidious are giving the simulacrum of the truth to its followers. And they're not giving it the whole truth because if they if they gave the stormtroopers, you know, real people, they're not clones, by the way. They're people that they've actually recruited, people that they've recruited into stormtrooper programs. They've gotten benefits, army benefits, uh they've gotten spaceships they've gotten places to live they've gotten places to raise families right and it's much more sinister to utilize actual people because if you utilize actual people for your sinister movement then other people are going to look at that and say hey what i don't realize that's a facade so it must not be a facade they must have a just cause we must side with the empire even though like every Star Wars show and movie has has shown Sidious to be um, that has, has shown its uh, what do you call it? Uh, people heroes um, that are going against antagonists they've 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 always shown them to realize that the Empire is is actually doing this um, to to serve their own interests rather than serving the collective interests of the galaxy. But yeah. Uh, it's cool that they're bringing in droids, and from a story perspective, it it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that's a, that's the thought that I'd, <laughs> my notes are all jumbled, jumbled, uh, everybody. Um, so that was a awkward transition, but I'm just letting you all know. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's I I love how uh, a lot of the dilemmas in Star Wars can be reflected, are, are reflected in the real world. But at the end of this episode, you find out that they're gonna bring back Bill Burr, and. I think that's interesting because I liked his character a lot in 
in episode chapter six, I believe, of the of the Mandalorian. Yeah, he was cool. He was uh, he was just a prejudicial asshole who didn't uh, who was making fun of the Gungans, who was just a dick to everybody. Yeah, he didn't have to kill the guy uh, in that in that uh, space prison holding area, but they but he did anyways. And I, I mean, if if I remember the episode correctly, right? I don't even remember his character name, but I I know I just I just call him Bill Burr's character. It's kind of funny because uh, he's uh, he's a lot like Bill Burr in real life, and and part of acting is incorporating yourself into the role. It's interesting too because. With Gina Carano, like I was mentioning last in RIS number two, I says, I said, uh, well, Gina Carano's character, I didn't call her, I didn't, because I, I couldn't remember the, the actual character's name at the time. I said, I, uh, I didn't remember her, her character name was Cara Doom. I just said Gina Carano, Gina Carano, Bill Burr. You wouldn't look back at the original characters and say, oh, haha, that's Harrison Ford's character. No, that's Han Solo, right? But then again, those movies have been around for more than 40 years, and the main actors were all relatively new to acting. And and similar to how the uh, the new trilogy is, right? You see Ray, and you don't think of Daisy Ridley. Ridley, you think of Ray, and and same goes with Finn and and John Boyega and and Oscar Isaac too. But I think I think Oscar Isaac w- is more recognizable than the than the the other two that I mentioned. And and people say, well, that's Oscar Isaac's. Her character, they don't. They would call him Poe. He was underutilized, in my opinion. They could have, they could have definitely made made him work more. Yeah, there's definitely a difference in in how and how much and how iconic you know these different people that I just mentioned are. And yeah, I guess Ray is. I mean, if you're if they're gonna produce a a new trilogy, and and something that was just so impactful to people back in the day, and especially in the 70s and 80s, that was jam-packed with nostalgia. They're bringing a new trilogy back, and they find that the new character is somebody named Rey, something that it's just so easy to remember. Then they're going to remember her as Rey. They're not going to say Daisy, Daisy Ridley's character, right? Unless for, um, unless you look at the other supporting actors that you are able to recognize more. More into the episode, I there's a, there's something interesting that happened. And I'll get into it, right? Um, Mando, he uh, so wh- while they were, while the the Empire was coming, and they find that that first uh, fleet of stormtroopers that's parking right next to with the Razor Crest, and they're coming in. Uh, Mando immediately retreats to go back to the child, but like in my head, I was thinking, why did you pick up the fucking backpack? I mean, th- <laughs> why did you pick up the jetpack? So that you can move maneuver a lot faster in the terrain. There's stormtroopers that could potentially be coming from all sides. You could be surrounded. And the one thing that could actually help you fight against that is the fucking jetpack. It could give you a vantage point. For crying out loud. Uh, but he didn't. He just ran. <laughs> he ran. He just he's like, oh fuck, I gotta go after the kid. You guys stay here. Yeah. Uh, something that d- also didn't r- really make that much sense to me was the fact that Boba said at the beginning of their agreement, oh, you know, give me the suit of armor and I'll ensure the protection of you and Baby Yoda. And then Mando, he didn't even say anything un- because the Empire just queued in at that moment and they, they interrupted. 
And so he didn't agree to anything, right? And so when Boba sees the Razor Crest and it's wide, it, it has its door open, he's like, oh, fuck, I got to go in and get my armor. This is a chance to really, this is a chance, this is a moment for badassery. So I'm going to get in there and I'm going to get my armor and I'm going to get the fuck back out so I can help those guys and we're going to kick some ass. So he gives me, he goes back out and, and oh, what was I saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the end of the, the, the end of the fight happens. They take baby Yoda and him, uh, the other characters, the, I forgot, I forget her name too. I don't even know the actress's name, but Quill, Quill. Okay. So him, Quill and the Mandalorian, they're all standing together and the Mandalorian is like, oh fuck. Well, the baby Yoda is gone. So, you know, I'm screwed now. And Boba Fett's like, oh, here, here's proof that I'm actually a Mandalorian. Here's proof that my father was a foundling. These are, this is, uh, this is Mandalorian encryption. I, uh, this is proof. And I'm sure you can read it because you were also a foundling as I'm, as I'm assuming, you know, Mandalorian's like, okay, cool. Yeah. The deal's done. And, but I'm thinking in my head, why didn't you just ask for a lift in that moment? Because you don't know if he's going to like say, oh, let me help you or oh, okay, bye. Right. But then baby Boba Fett, he goes, well, our deal isn't done because we promised, we promised to protect you and we promised to protect baby Yoda. So we're going to just have another moment of badassery and we're going to go after them and then we're going to kill them and we're going to shoot them. We're going to go bang, bang. <laughs> So uh, the band, uh, so he he says, okay, that was a part of our agreement, and but the thing in my uh, the the thing that just you know is is not like stirring well with me so much is the fact that the Mandalorian Din Djarin didn't actually agree to Boba Fett's terms. He didn't agree. So and and it's not like the Mandalorian had any intention of handing him Boba Fett's suit of armor. He could have just been like, fuck off. I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I would rather see you die than give you back your armor. <laughs> Cause I don't know if it's your armor. So we didn't agree to anything. And he, and it's like Boba Fett stole the armor. So in that moment, he could have just said, all right, I don't know you anything. I didn't hear a yes, so I'm gone. But the logic of that, you know, I'm, I'm th yeah, I'm thinking about it too logically. I like the fact that they're going to work together. I like uh, the fact that the original actor from uh, Attack of the Clones is, is reprising his role as Django, Boba, and and that they're going to work together. So that's that's really cool. In fact, I think he did do a voiceover for Boba Fett and the revised versions of the original trilogy. So that's, that's also really cool that they're, they're together and that they're going to, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of similarity between the, both of those characters history. And, uh, and yeah, I, I just think it's, uh, it's wonderful. Okay. Uh, everybody, I'm going to take a quick break and then I will come right back with, uh, more, uh, of Mandalorian talk, if you will. And I'm going to be talking about uh, this uh, article, this very dumb article that I mentioned before. Um, so stay tuned. More with that when we return. Three, two, and one. 
What are you doing there, bud? That was out of character. Everybody, welcome back. We are going to discuss the controversy. We're finally going to get around to it. I'm going to stop beating around the bush. I'm going to stop slapping a monkey naked in the street. That's not an original joke. I stole that from Alex Becker. And uh, yeah, let's get let's get into it. So um, I'd like to address this article that I found on a website called Salon.com. Uh, if you want, you can just you can check it out. I'll uh, I'll send you the link if you ask for it nicely. And uh, it's it's this article was by Carolyn Cow, and and she the headline reads "Why the Mandalorian uh, Failed to Portray Ahsoka." It said something like that, right? I'm looking at something else right now, so I can't give uh, the accurate title but uh, they talk about uh, the fact that Rosario Dawson was accused of um, holding down um, a transgendered individual while somebody was beating on them and the accusations uh, were uh, were contended in court for a little while while Lucasfilm was Hiring, casting Rosario Dawson as as the uh, as Ahsoka Tano, but remember, there was no confirmation that she was actually Ahsoka Tano until the episode uh, revealed her as such, and so there was a lot of uncertainty. And so it would be, it would have been considered unreasonable for a, a large majority of people to contend with the fact that she may or may not have been casted as as Ahsoka. But and so that's why she this whole controversy was out of the limelight for a little while. But nevertheless, uh, these people are bringing it up right now, and uh, I don't know this person's background, but she's she's addressing it as a real issue. Even when the, the claims were withdrawn from court, she was saying that we, they, we need to hold these actors accountable for the fact that something like this has been said against them, it may have been to defame them, or it may have been real. But Lucasfilm should have waited, should have made the proper steps to be more inclusive and to not be so dismissive to the transgender community's concerns. And listen, I've mentioned it a couple of times already on my show. I don't mean to dismiss the transgender community uh, at all, but it just so happens that group in particular has been involved um, with both Gina Carano and Rosario Dawson. So, I mean, they have there have been controversies between these actors and this disaggregated group. I know it's not one group um, of people, but I'm saying the fact that they're going after transgenders, or at least they have been involved with them in some way. Okay, so, yeah, uh, she's saying that we shouldn't keep consider uh, the, her the claims invalid at least not initially we should just you know analyze the facts of, of the case and 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 see where where it went wrong uh, rather than you know casting this person so whatever right uh, I, I actually happen to agree with her for this case in particular I have no qualms with it really I, I think she is right to suggest that you know Lucasfilm probably should have made more steps to be more inclusive 
and probably should have held off on Ahsoka, but I mean, they were keeping it a secret, and and I, I get it, right? Um, but here's the thing. She was, uh, this person that wrote the article, she was predisposed to an opinion that I, I fundamentally agree, disagree with, not only that, with, with the claims that she was making, the claims that she was making in the entire article about uh, Rosario Dawson's betrayal were kind of stupid. Not only stupid, but they were they were predisposed. She just just was set out to go after her in the beginning. It could be, it could be a, a, a difference of a preference. Really, it could be, I don't know, but you know the fact that she listed this long history that went under the rug that wasn't uh, as controversial as maybe it should have been. Um, it just points out the fact that you know maybe she's being a little biased so i'll get i'll get into her claims right now so the first one um and there and there's quite a few right so here the first one she says um while ahsoka's climactic uh saber fight against S elspeth that that was the character's name that i couldn't remember earlier while Ahsoka's climactic uh, saber fight against Elbsith is thrilling, reminding me of the best of uh, Gendi Tartakovsky productions, Ahsoka's actions felt off. Watching Ahsoka flick her wrists to tip her enemy, bat her lightsaber, pop up behind adversaries, and spring roof to roof, I felt could be snappier when executed in animation. I suppose that awkwardness could be chalked up to a shaky live-action direction, although the previous Mandalorian director's Rick Famawuya and Deborah Chow succeeded better. This has nothing to do with the performance. I don't think it just it's a problem with the editing. I mean, if she, she prefers to have it another way, then I mean that's just her, right? It's like a small minority of 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 the audience that felt, oh, maybe you know this could have been a little bit better if if it was faster if it had more sound effects cuz i mean what's what's snappier that's arbitrary you know that's just it's dumb uh and and she was saying that you know i didn't like the fact of uh, that she spoke in a certain way that wasn't true to how the original ca character actress portrayed Ahsoka and it's like sure fine you can complain about that in fact there's a number of people that that had a qualm with it i get it but this character had grown and you know there's she's more stern she's more sure of herself she's uh you know accepted the fact that she's actually a jedi she's became she's capable of become of of being a jedi she could be in a position in her life right now at this moment in time to where she says hey you know i i believe and subscribe to this ideology okay I may not want to ever be a part of the Jedi Order again or anything like it, but I can respect the fact that of what they were trying to do. They were trying to secure peace, and and so I, I subscribe to a lot of the ideas that came out of it. And so she's like, well, I like the fact that she was more conflicted and rebels. Yeah, but that was a different point of her life, dummy. <laughs> Those weren't the only two things that she said, so I'll get into it a little bit more. She says, I also found it unproductive for Ahsoka to name drop a famous Star Wars legendary villain, Grand Admiral Thrawn, to tease a new antagonist. This fan service disturbed the charm of the series by crossing a line since there was no indication this villain would be relevant to the adoptive father-son story at the series' emotional core. Emotional, emotional core. 
And while it would be fun to think about another unresolved mystery in Star Wars Rebels, which Ahsoka may have been involved in, it shouldn't be done at the expense of Din Djarin and Grogu's story. Oh my god, this dummy, dummy, dummy. The fact that they name-dropped Grand Admiral Thrawn does not take away from the emotional core of Din Djarin and Grogu's story. Mando and Baby Yoda, they, they, they're the stars of the show. They just said one name. Everybody had an awe moment. It made a few jaws drop, right? Because people liked the character. People liked that he was so renowned in the old legendary books and, and in Star Wars Rebels. So it's cool that they mention him. It doesn't take away from anything, you fucking idiot. Ugh. I get too emotional about these things. Yeah, she's not intelligent. So, um, so she says this. It's certain whether we'll see Ahsoka on the Mandalorian again. It, oh, it's uncertain. While fans are glad Filoni had his chance to direct his own beloved creation and experiment with her, I would be interested to see new directors, especially female directors, since The Mandalorian only has a ratio of two female directors to seven male directors so far and more female writers be entrusted with the character. Um, yeah. Then, you know what? Sure, they can give Ahsoka to female writers... In fact, I think there was a, a book that came out, and I don't think it was written by Dave Filoni, where, uh, you know, I think another writer had made a novel about her. It was her story after the, that took place after the Clone Wars. And I think it might have been another author. Um, but and, and that could definitely happen with the Mandalorian and with her own series, Ahsoka, the Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano series. And Dave Filoni is especially busy with all other means of Star Wars production, right? They're going to produce more shows. They're going to produce more movies. And him, John Favreau, George Lucas, they're in cahoots with each other, and they're going to make more spectacular um, versions of these characters So for all of our enjoyment and entertainment, right? But I don't like her attitude about it, and here's why. This is his character. This is Dave Filoni's character. He doesn't have to hand it off to anybody else. Not a man, a woman, nor anyone. You know what I'm saying? It's just this person is thinking unreasonably. Yes, it would be a good idea to hand this per hand this character to another uh, to more female writers, but they don't have to. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, a character coming up with a character. It, Especially in a huge franchise, I get it. Um, it's it's not only it's not only up to Dave Filoni to decide who's who's who gets to write them and who gets to direct them. It's you know it's made it's the studio mandate that gets to ultimately decide of who it goes to. She's saying, well, and and she's not being too um, forceful in her attitude. She's saying, well, I would be interested in, in things like this, and I get it. But there's almost almost like a She's almost like reaffirming the expectation of our culture to to add to have the perfect ratio between men and women directors, men and women writers. And I get that. That's fine. And I understand you. But we also want to have writers that know what they're talking about, know what they're have a certain level of familiarity with not only the characters, but the Star Wars lore. 
And if it just so happens to be more men than women or more women than men, vice versa, it could work. However, we should leave it be and let the studio decide. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much all I have to say regarding that. Um, and regarding the controversy, uh, I don't know what's to come from it, but uh, I think this person also made a good point. Uh, the fact that the courts um, do overturn uh, a lot of transgender cases, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, judges are, are supposed to be non-biased in their rulings, and, and if the evidence does suffice, then they're supposed to take it further, and if it doesn't, if it's just all hearsay, accusations, and 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 whatever, right? Um, if it didn't hold up in a court of law, then I don't think there is any merit to it, but but this person, but on the flip side of that, this person, if he continues to push for the fact that this injustice had actually been committed against him or her or them, if it if this actually happened, they would be in a position to go, I cannot take away from the hype. This is um, selfish of me, even though this did happen. And I get it right. This is this is an unfortunate situation to be in. And if it did happen all the more i mean i i completely side with them and i completely understand so for this case it's definitely hard to decide everybody um it's better to just suspend our judgment and if they come out with more accusations then we shouldn't deny it we shouldn't dismiss it i've had i've had uh, conversations with um you know women in particular that have, have educated me on, on matters like this and my thoughts have changed you know over the past few years and yeah, uh, anecdotal evidence cannot always be supported or or substantiated, and it could definitely be harder because it's it's just it, it could, this could happen to you alone, and there's no way th there could be no way to prove or disprove it. So it's it's a tricky situation for on all sides, but I just don't agree with the fact that they were coming after Rosario Dawson's. Rosario Dawson's uh, portrayal of the character that the way they did, I mean, it just it was biased. I mean, it was obviously biased. Um, yeah, so that's the end of the podcast, or at least uh, the sub-episode. Sub I thank you all for joining me today. Um, if you have any thoughts, please give a comment, like, and subscribe. Just kidding. This isn't YouTube. But I encourage all of you to reach out to me on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know of how you think I'm doing. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. See, part of the advantage of having such a small audience is that I can listen to all of you. I can listen to all of you. We can have a conversation and we can make it fun. So I'm open. Um, but that's not to suggest that this podcast is malleable in any way, shape, or form. I'm simply putting out there that I'm open to listening to you, especially now in this stage of my career that I'm trying to build for myself. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I re really appreciate it. And... Um, you know, if you have any disagreements, I'd love to hear it. All right, everybody, that's the end of the episode. Uh, feel free to tune in next time, and I will see you later. Peace. No guitar solo today. Okay, I'm going to save it for next time. All right, peace.